We're going to start off by reading John 17, and as we're thinking about this whole theme of enlarge, this prayer found in John 17 is a prayer of Jesus, one of the, one of the longest prayers uh, that we have recorded of Jesus, and um, it's such an amazing prayer in some ways because it challenges us to get, you know, understand who Jesus is and what, it, what its heart is at, um, but it also gives us a glimpse in how Jesus prays and what he prays for, and how that's connected uh, to the world, and how that's connected to his mission. And so how we're going to start off just this message time is, I'm going to read this prayer out, um, and we're going to do it reflectively. So I'm going to ask you, uh, the words aren't on the screen, I'm going to read the words from scripture, and so we're going to literally just start this this, uh, message time in a moment of prayer, worship, and reflection. If it helps you to close your eyes and listen to the words, sometimes that helps me. Um, if it, if it helps you to imagine like Jesus is literally saying these words, um, then do that. So let's just take this in as a prayer and it'll probably be a, at least a two or three minute prayer. So let's just prepare ourselves for that. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction that the scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent them into the world, I have, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. God, as we pray this prayer, these words of Jesus, open up our hearts. May you give us insight into your heart, your love, your purpose, your kingdom, and this prayer of Jesus, uh, how it affects us and, and the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm not sure about you, but I, I love uh, listening to Scripture being read. Not necessarily my voice, but um, other people's voices. And uh, specifically with this prayer, it's a great prayer just to pause and reflect with. The context of this prayer is amazing because Jesus is actually praying. Like, these are his words. This is, this is his heart. These are, this is what's on his heart and what he prays for. And we get a window into his heart. And a prayer like this, I mean, we can do a six-week series on this prayer. But it's not, you know, and that's fine maybe for, for a time in the future. But it's not always something to be exegeted, something to be taken apart, but something to be actually prayed to actually be uh, brought before God in prayer. And so when we pray these words, we, we align ourselves with Jesus. We align ourselves with his heart. And there's this one line that jumped out at me, especially in this series we're in this month, in this whole theme called Enlarge. And, and it was a line that felt like it gave me some tension. And it was verse 9. In verse 9, Jesus says these words. He says, I am not praying for the world. So it kind of got my attention. I'm like, man, I mean, you're not praying for the world? And he says, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. And it jumped out of me because last year and, and often here at Westside, we highlight mission. We highlight what God has called us to. We highlight what he's doing in the world. We know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That's so huge. We, we know that in the scriptures we read where Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. He was praying for those who didn't understand, who didn't grab a hold of who he was. Uh, we know that Jesus commissions his disciples to go and to make disciples of all nations. And so we know God has a heart for the world. We know Jesus bleeds for the world in a sense. And so we read this prayer and we're like, I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. And it's interesting, and this, this short little phrase, and I mean, maybe, you know, like if I ever record one of your prayers in a parking lot, and you're like, God, give me the space. And then we say, you know, Ivan only prays for parking lot spaces like that. No, I mean, that was that one time that he prayed that maybe I'm just bugging Ivan. But you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe it was this one prayer where Jesus said this and we got to take it into context. He's prayed for other things and that he does pray for the world. It's certainly true that this prayer captures the heart of who he is. But I think it gives us something really important that even though Jesus likely does pray for the world and his heart is for the world, this prayer indicates something about Jesus. In this moment, he's entrusting his disciples to the Father. He's like, I'm leaving. You know that I'm going and I'm entrusting my disciples to you. And so he's praying for the church because God's mission has a church. I want you to just think about that phrase. It's on the screen. Jesus is praying for the church because God's mission has a church. It's not that we as a church have a mission. We do, but we only have a mission because God's mission has a church. 
Because God's heart for the world includes the church, includes the church as God's instrument. So we ask these few questions like, who's Jesus praying for? Why is he praying? And what's he praying for? So the first thing is, who's he praying for? And and at the beginning of the prayer, he prays for himself, like the completion of his mission physically while he was on earth. But then he prays for his disciples, those, those 12 people who first followed him. And those others who are following him, he, he spent three and a half years with these people. And, and he, showed, he shows us both you know, the, the, the challenge and the joy of what it means to follow Jesus. He's praying for them. He's praying for them because he's challenged them. He's, he's invited them in. And they know both of those things. But we get this sense he's praying for these people, these few people at first, who God has revealed himself to. Right? God has revealed himself to these 12 disciples God has given them his words. That's what Jesus says. Hey, God, I've given them your words. I've revealed you to them. I've showed them who you are. I've given them the words you've given me. And they've responded. Jesus in his prayer says, they accepted these words. They took the message in. They believe that you've really sent me. And so transformation starts to take place in these, in these people's lives, right? And so they're his disciples. And Jesus says, I'm praying for them. In this moment, he says, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. Just stop for a second. That's so huge that Jesus would be taking this moment to pray for these people when all the needs are out there. And and like that's this is something that reminds me of moms, because moms know the needs of the world and they know the needs of the world their kids go into. But somehow moms have this instinctive call to their kids and they say I'm going to make sure my kids are going to be okay I'm going to make sure that my kids uh, you know know what it know what they need to know to live life and it's not that moms don't care about the neighborhood because a lot of moms care about the neighborhood but moms take their kids and say I want to make sure my kids are going to be the kind of kids that are going to bless and be a blessing in the neighborhood and in the school and in the city And I've talked to moms, and including my wife, obviously, who's a mom, and some others, and they often have said, like, yes, I have a mission, but these kids are my mission. Because there's something about having the role of taking care of these kids as parents, not just moms, that that we know they're going to do something, they're going to mean something, and we have them for a short while, and so we want to make sure that they're going to be okay. Not just protected, but okay in terms of how they're going to live their lives. And so Jesus is praying for the disciples in this way. His sights, he knows that the world is in need. But he's saying for this moment, I pray for my disciples. He also prays for his future disciples. Verse 20, it says that, he says this in verse 20, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. You know what that means? You can fit into this right here. I will pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Everyone who would eventually believe in Jesus through the message of his disciples over generations and generations, Jesus says, I'm praying for them. So he's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for the church in Turkey. Take a look at this picture. This was sent to me by Andrew and Renee. They had a a time in a a Christmas party or something was going on, and and, uh, the majority of the believers uh, that they know. The majority of the church all hung out together. So I saw this picture and I thought, I don't know if you heard on the video, but they said there's about 30 or 40 believers in this city of 1.8 million. Did you hear that? So imagine Westside was the only church in the greater Montreal area of 3.4 million. Imagine we were the only believers. And in some ways, these people represent the small fraction of the church that exists in that region of 1.8 million people. 
Like I've talked to some people in different denominations and different groups and they realize there's such a small segment of people in this city that are believers. Like maybe 100 or 200 that when, um, when some colleagues of mine were out in Turkey a year ago, there was some people there, some Christian leaders there, and this is what they said. There was 20 or 30 Christian leaders, both from Central Asia and from North America, and this is what they said. They said, this is the, this is the largest gathering of Christian leaders I've ever been in in my whole life. There was 25 people in the room. Right? That's... That's the significance of when you think, when Jesus is saying he's praying for us, he's praying for them and for us, but he's praying for people like that as well. So who's Jesus praying for? He's praying for his disciples and he's praying for future disciples. And here's the the next question. Why is Jesus praying? Well, obviously he's praying because he loves them. He cares for them. They're in this relationship together as we understand to be in Christ. But verse 18 says this. He says, as you sent me, he's talking to God, Father, as you sent me, I'm sending them. As you sent me into the world, I am sending, I think it should say them, for you. I'm, I, but you guys know what I'm saying. As Jesus was sent, he's sending his disciples. Jesus is praying for, why is he praying for them? Because they're going to be going out on mission. They're going to be going out and serving the world. They're going to be going out and doing the things he did. They're going to be going out and the words that were given to them, how Jesus revealed the Father to them, how Jesus spoke the Father's words into them, how Jesus helped them understand who he was, they're going to be doing that for other people. And Jesus knows that. That's why he's praying for them. There's this bigger context. It's not just a sentimental prayer. Like, I, I love that. Like, I mean, I've been in prayer times with my family or other people or, we're, you know, friends are leaving and so we pray for them and there's this beautiful connection. And that's nice. We can pray in those moments. But Jesus is praying for them because they're going to be going out. They're going to be doing on mission. I, I, every day I pray for my kids. I, I'm really grateful that, that uh, the time in the morning they leave, like my daughter leaves at about 7.30 or so, and I, I do my best to be, to be home just before they leave, and I, I, I get that chance, and I'm grateful for it. It doesn't happen every day, but on the days that it does, I always pray, I used to pray two things, and I still do it today. I always say, Lord, I pray for courage and confidence for my kids every day. And then as I'm praying with them or I'm praying over them, I, I often say, God, would you help them to hear your voice today and respond? I pray that for them almost every single day. And then I also pray this. I say, you know, I know that I want them to have a good day. I want them to have fun in, the, in you know, Julie in grade six and my son in high school. I want them to have a good time. But I pray, God, would you, would you just make them aware of how they can be a blessing to somebody? Those are often those three things I pray. One, may they hear your voice and respond. Give them courage and confidence for their day. And would you use them to be a blessing to other people? Would you use them to be a blessing in other people? even in grade six and when they were in grade four and in grade two and now in grade nine and and then as they get older, would you, Lord, would they be a blessing to people around them? That's this idea of being sent. Jesus recognized I'm sending them out into the world. That's why he's praying. They're a witness. They're a sign. They're a foretaste of God's kingdom to the people around them. And Jesus is sending his disciples into the world. That's why he's praying for them. That's why he's praying for them. But here's the what of the prayer. What is Jesus praying for? And it's interesting. Two times he prays for protection. Two times he says this. And if you can go to the next slide. 
No, not that one. Back it up a bit. I must have messed that up. You guys know where I'm heading. But um, here's, here's <laughs> two times Jesus prays for, for uh, protection. It's risky. So the first time in verse 11, he prays this. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me. Protect them by the power of your name. The name of God is powerful. The name of God is his ruling, his reign, his sovereignty, his strength. Jesus is saying, cover them, God, with your name. Verse 15, he prays this. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So he's literally saying, would you protect them, God? Would you protect them? And then there's this understanding here of this. Verse 16 says this. He says, uh, they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying, God, they're different. You know that they're different from the world. They're in the world, but they're not of it. Just like Jesus says, I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. In other words, he recognizes disciples play by different rules. And when you play by different rules, you have opposition. And when you don't play by the world's rules, you often will have opposition, Right? Whenever someone doesn't play by the rules, often the majority goes against them. Jesus is saying they are not of the world, even though they're in the world. And then in verse 16 and 17, here's, here's the word of the prayer. I love this part. They are not of the world, even though I'm not in it. Then he says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify is this word set apart. He's like saying... He's praying for them. He's like, Lord, would you set them apart? Would you make them distinct? Would you get them ready for what's in store? Think about the temple system in in Israel when priests were sanctified for temple service. There was a sense of they have this unique purpose to do what they're doing in the temple. And in some ways, now for the case of mission, Jesus is saying, sanctify them, set them apart. They have this purpose. They have this purpose. When I thought about all this, I thought about prison break. (laughs) Because here's this guy, right? Like he's the brother of the guy who's in prison. If you ever, I've only watched one or two episodes, but it's very easy to get the concept because I hear from other people that the story just goes and goes for several seasons. But this guy's brother is sent to jail unjustly, unjustly. And so he does something. He actually rigs something, creates something that he gets sent to jail. So he gets sent to jail to save his brother. So when you watch him, like you know he's not a prisoner. I mean, he is a prisoner because he's in jail, but he's not a prisoner because really he did nothing wrong. He's there for one single reason, to get his brother out. He's, he went into jail for one reason, to save his brother, to make sure that his brother gets out because he knows his brother went in unjustly. I mean, there's something so powerful about a story like that, that someone would say, even though I'm not a prisoner, I'm going to become a prisoner to save my brother. Even though when I walk the jail cells, I don't, you know, there's, you know, I am, I feel different. I'm not here because I've committed a crime. This is not to, to, to degrade or anything like people who are in prison, but just think about that for a moment. He's literally in a place that he's not of. That's what Jesus says. You're in the world, but you're not of it. Why? Because you're sent. And Jesus says you have a specific purpose. You're a sent person. You have a reason to be there. And I love this image from this this story. 
Imagine we all kind of saw that. Not, don't, look, not, don't get me wrong. Don't look at the world like a prison. <laughs> That's not the idea. But look at yourselves and say, hey, wait a second. God has made me in a distinct way for a distinct purpose. And even though I'm not of this world, Jesus doesn't say leave it, eject from it, take off, escape. He say, no, I've placed you there for a reason, to love it. These are these images in the New Testament, right? Jesus calls us salt and light. Salt so we can bring change to the, to the environment around us. Light so we can shed God's light around us. And that's what Jesus is praying for. He's praying that for these disciples. And here's the last thing he's praying for. The full measure of joy within them. Verse 13. What an amazing thing. You'd, you'd wonder, like, what would Jesus pray for? And in verse 13, he says, I pray so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. In other words, every day as they're in this world. He's saying, God, would you make sure that my disciples have joy? I pray for their joy, their long-lasting joy. Why is he praying this? What's, what's the protection for the, the set-apartness, the joy? Jesus prays for the church because he knows the church is God's instrument for the world. You just need to stop and think about that. Jesus prays for the church because the church is God's instrument for the world. It's not that he doesn't care for the world. He cares for the world. He bled for the world. But he sent out a family on mission, a group of people, disciples that would continually grow into more disciples for a purpose so the world would discover what they discovered. So the world would know God as they discovered God through Jesus. Verse 2 and 3 of this prayer, Jesus says this, For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. In a sense, Jesus is, this whole prayer is because Jesus wants the world to, to know what they know. The world to experience what they've experienced. The world to understand what what many of us have come to understand. That God loves us so deeply that he wants us to know who he is. That Jesus would come and reveal God to us. Jesus is praying for the church because God's mission has a church. It feels counterintuitive though, right? To think about the world but pray for the church. It It feels like, why would I do that? Why when there's a whole bunch of needs around, why would I pray for the church when the world is in need. And somehow Jesus teaches us that it's so vital to pray for his church. It's so vital to pray for one another. It's like, you know, it's, it's basically like a rescue team that goes into a mission. And I'm just thinking of, you know, we all have these images and we're praying for uh, Northern Alberta and Fort McMurray and, and some of you have friends there and we've been praying for that this, uh, just this last week and, and it's amazing to see the resources, the people coming together. But... Of course, we're concerned about how people have been displaced and what's going on there. But when you think about it, there's people now on the inside that are serving others. And we're saying, how can we resource those people? How can, how can we get them what they need so they can bless the other people around them? That's so vital to know that the people inside need to be strong and courageous and focused to serve all the other needs around them. So Jesus is praying for his church because God's mission has a church. So I want to close today by, by praying, by taking some time to pray, because we're in this series today and, and in this, this month and just thinking about enlarging our hearts. But sometimes we just got to stop and say, wait a second, what should we also be praying for? We care for the world, but Jesus says, hey, pray for the church. Pray for the church. 
Why are we partnering with this small little church in Central Asia? Because Jesus says, pray for the church. Why are we resourcing this small church in, in Central Asia? Why do we resource one another to be the church here in Montreal? Because Jesus prays for the church. Because Jesus says, I'm praying for the church because I've sent them into the world. Because Jesus sent us just like he was sent. And so today, I want us to think just in, in three ways, and just these three words to come up as we, we close in a time of prayer, that we would, we would respond to this in prayer, with resource, and with expectations. Because as we just think about the world, as we think about Central Asia, as we think about other parts of the world, God calls us to pray. Yeah, we pray for the world, but let's pray, say, Lord, your church, may your church be strong in these parts of the world. So we pray. We resource. And I I like to use the word resource rather than give because resource tells us what our giving does. Our giving resources the church. When we give to our local mission, we're not just giving money. We're resourcing a mission. When we raise six or seven thousand dollars for Central Asia, we're not just giving money. We're resourcing a mission. And then expect. I think this is so huge. Verse 20, right? Jesus says, I'd only pray for them. I pray for everyone who's going to believe in me through their message. I love that verse because that tells me that, that the church never has a lid on it. That West Side, there's never a lid on West Side. There's, there's people Jesus is praying for that he knows one day will come to faith in him. And when he, he expected people to come to faith in him. We need to expect that, that people are going to come to know Jesus here and abroad in other parts of the world. So pray, resource, and expect. And so here's how we're going to pray today. I have these, these four things, and we're just going to pause right now. Um, I'm going to ask maybe Steve or Matt to come up as we, we just close in this short time of prayer. And, um, and we're going to pray today, just literally closing, praying for the church. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus, Jesus paused. He prayed for the church. Jesus told us to pray for the church. So today as we close, um, yes, we could, we could think of so many ways that we could pray. We could think of so many people we could pray for. We could think, and I have a list in my mind of my friends and neighbors that I pray for regularly. Um, we could think of so many countries to pray for. But what if today we just did what Jesus did? Let's pray for the church. And these, these, these three or four things just like Jesus did. And so I want to pray right now specifically for the global church and let's pray for their protection. Let's say, Jesus, let's say, God, please protect your family. Please protect your children. Please protect the disciples of Jesus. Let's pray for their joy. Say, God, would you give them joy? Would you fill their hearts with joy? Let's pray for their distinct witness that they would be, that the global church would be a witness in the part of the world that is so hard at times to be a witness. And then lastly, let's pray for future disciples. Let's pray believing that people will come to know Jesus through their message. Of course, when we pray for the global church, we're instinctively praying for our mission here in Montreal. But I want our focus today to just be praying for that, specifically those 30 people we saw on the screen in Central Asia. The, the church in pockets all over the world. Can we, can we come together as a church community today and just pray for these things? So I'll just like leave about uh, you know, a minute or so for each of those sections uh, for us to pray, and I'll guide us through that. And, I, and I'm inviting you to pray. 
literally just to, to pray for these things. If you even feel to share that like in, a, in a one or two phrases out loud, go for it. We're just going to make this, for the next few minutes, just a, a short little prayer meeting for the global church. And then I'll close together. Guys, just play something in the background as we do that. So Father, we, as we just begin these next few moments, um, open our hearts for your church around the world. Jesus taught us to pray for his disciples. So we just take this few moments right now and pray. So let's start by praying for the church's protection, the protection of Jesus' disciples around the world. Let's turn our attention to pray for the full measure of God's joy in believers' hearts around the world. And particularly a joy that would be so outstanding for this church in Central Asia, for God's people there. In the midst of uh, strife, pain, suffering, obstacles, let's pray for the fullness of God's joy. attention and pray for their witness just what it means to be a witness in that part of the world what it means to be God's living and local presence in that part of the world what it might mean to be God's living and local presence inside a refugee camp inside a city that's recently been bombed inside uh, a region that is predominantly not Christian let's pray for their witness we pray this prayer of Jesus. 
something supernatural in them, work in them deeply. Yes, Jesus. Hmm. Yes, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Work deeply in them, Lord. Strengthen their witness, God. Embolden their witness. God, give them boldness to be your people. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now let's pray in faith, expecting, believing that there will be people that come to know Jesus through their message. We heard uh, Andrew talking about a, a new believer who he's discipling towards baptism. We We've heard a few stories of people from the village, the marketplace around that are exploring who Jesus is. Let's pray in faith for people who will come to know God through their message. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. God, we pray in faith. We trust you. We believe. We expect, Lord, many to come to know you, Lord, in your name. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. Amen, yes, Jesus. Hey, why don't we all stand as we close in just one whole prayer together. And um, bless your name, Jesus. Yeah, this, would you join me in praying in faith with expectation, um, aligning ourselves with Jesus. I know it takes uh, maybe a little bit of a challenge to say, I will focus my prayers for the global church. Um, it's not self-serving. It's, it's for God's purposes, for God's mission, um, how he wants to use his people in that part of the world. But let's pray together as we do that. Father, we just, Lord, we come to you with um, both excitement, expectation, um, but also just a somber heart, just knowing the reality of most of the global church. Lord, the reality in their circumstances are sobering, but what is in their hearts is so exciting because it just speaks of your joy and your hope and your resilience. Lord, we pray for courage and confidence here. They are living it every day. So, Father, we, we pray right now, God... As Jesus prayed, we pray that you would protect your church. Particularly as we focus our prayers for Central Asia right now. We pray, God, for these, this small group of believers who might feel so alone at times. God, we pray for their protection. We pray for their protection. And God, as, as Jesus prayed, we don't pray that you take them out of their context necessarily, but that they would feel and know that they are sent it there, that they are used by your purpose, but that you will also equip them and prepare them. So God, we pray that, that they would be a distinct witness, sanctified by your truth for this very purpose. And God, in praying for that, we also pray that just the full measure of your joy would be instilled in their hearts, Lord. 
that in the midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of, of, of cultural um, you know, issues going on and economic issues going on, God, in, in the midst of opposition, Lord, we pray for the full measure of your joy. Jesus knew what he was praying for. And God, we pray along with your son, Jesus, for their joy today. And God, we also pray in belief and expectation that many, many will come to know you. Many will become part of your awesome, wonderful, loving, welcoming family through their message. We pray that in belief, oh God. And we pray, pray God, that through your church, through your church, just your manifold wisdom would be declared both in the heavens and in the surrounding regions. And we, as we think about your church, also how it served, Lord, your church in Ukraine, in Africa, in India, your church in northern Alberta, how it is serving, God, many around them, God, your church here in Montreal, and your church in Central Asia, God, we just pray with full belief, God, for those who will come to know you through their message. And Lord, we surrender ourselves for those who will come to know you through our message as we share the gospel. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Lord, expand, enlarge our hearts. Enlarge our view of your world. Just equip us to be your church here and abroad. In your name we pray. Amen.